going? It's going. How are you? Just came in from Ohio. It was a grueling seven and a half hours on uh, actually one highway from... Because it's 75. Yeah, 75. Straight up. Straight up. Straight down. Yeah. Uh, you can't get lost. <laughs> yeah, we've, spent, we've, we've, we've done that ride many a time, so very awesome. So, hi everybody. Special edition. Look, Sam Ronan. Um, you're kind of like, like a... Oh. a <laughs> <laughs> um, so shout out to Stacey Hopkins who kind of got me like hooked in. I'm here. Stacey in the background. We kind of ambushed Sam right when he got in town because I know it's gonna be super crazy. So thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to speak with me um, about like just the happening. Um, yeah, you just got in from Ohio and it's probably it's been a whirlwind like several weeks, right? Yeah. I mean, I've spent more time out of my house than I have in it. And I think I've literally slept in my own bed twice in the past two weeks. Aww. So, <laughs> well, I mean, but I, you know, it, it comes with the territory. I, you can't do this and work full time. I mean, you can run for some other office, but right. <laughs> not this. This, you got to fly, you got to drive, you got to do whatever. Right. Um, and, and when the veterans group called and they said, Hey, do you want to show up to Dapple? I said absolutely, and they put me on a plane to North Dakota. Awesome, so, awesome. So you you were just in, or you you like were just. I in was North literally North there that this weekend for the second time. Okay, okay. And uh, I gotta say, it was a it was a complete 180 from what it was in November. Really. So I went in November um, as both citizen and, and veteran, and you know, a candidate for state rep. Mm -hmm. But when I went there, it was like the literal weekend before the. Um, the election right and okay. back then you know the the runners were still coming from Arizona right. the, the horse riders came from I don't remember where but I think it was Nevada I, that just came mm -hmm. up but regardless the camps were huge and they were filled with people I mean there were literally thousands of people there and despite you know the reasons why they were there it was still full of life and joy right. and happiness it was a true like a festival in a sense right but then I went back this past weekend and it was a desolate wasteland I mean it, it truly broke my heart to see what once was and what is and you know today or no tomorrow the 22nd is when they uh, do the eviction notice and the problem is the National Guard and several of the federal agencies they're just gonna go in and they're gonna tear that sucker down right. and there's still people there as in protesters um, uh, water, water protectors, protectors. Um, yeah. But as well as the Native Americans themselves, and we've seen how that has ended on right. several different yeah. occasions. And uh, unfortunately, I can't be there. And I do truly mean that. I wanted to be there to prevent that from happening. Um, just like with uh, the the protest that happened in Columbus International Airport, mm -hmm. where the no ban, no wall. I was there when it happened. I just came back from what was that? I think that was Houston, in fact. I came back from the Houston Forum, mm -hmm. and then the No Ban No Wall would sit in, and there were cops there, but luckily it didn't digress. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's great. But, you know, it does happen that they later that day, or I'm sorry, the next day on Monday, there was another uh, protest in downtown Columbus. And I had friends over there that got maced mm -hmm. by cops simply for, you know, yeah. exercising their right. right. And that galls me. So, I don't know, I got a little bit <laughs> I'm just saying. I love, like, I love it, I love it, the personal side. How, how, you know, we've seen, you know, like, like the veterans group, we've seen, like, like people willing to put their bodies on the line to help protect other folks who are also protecting such a valuable, you know, I mean, water, it, it sounds so simple, water is life, but it's so real. Right. Like, how is that, just, just as a vet, 
as someone who who has been you know um, you're, you're still currently a reservist a, a reservist right so like as someone you know how has that now been to have to be home you know protecting people it's from the people who are supposed to be protecting us right? I mean it's it's really it, it's just extremely real you know what right. I mean I, you, you swear the oath and you mean it and then five or six years later you're put to the test mm. you know mm -hmm. either you get deployed you become an NCO, you, you have to go overseas and away from your family, whatever the case may be, you are tested on your oath at some point in your 20 years in the military, if you do a full career, right? right? And for me, it wasn't so much a test until the government shut down, and then to me, that just was my light switch moment, you know? That's when I realized our governing leaders, our representatives, no longer cared about the American people. Mm -hmm. If they're willing to shut down the government, and implement the sequester and furlough millions of employees, they clearly they don't give a damn about you or me. So you're talking about the, that was that 2013? 13. Yeah, buddy, so, buddy. And, yes. and then it just keeps <laughs> multiplying. Like, it didn't yes. just stop there, right? No, it did not. And, and so two years later, we, we have DAPL. Um, mm. I think a year before that was the Flint water crisis, which mm. is still that ongoing. Was, right. Um, then you have all the different, you know, protests in between the Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. the, the Women's March, the No Ban No Wall, which was very, very right. recent, the LGBTQ march. Mm -hmm. I mean, why are we fighting for civil rights still? Why are we still fighting for women's rights still? Why are we, why are we still fighting for equality in the year 2017? Why are we fighting for basic human, human rights, like clean water, right? Exactly. And yeah. to see that, you know, I remember sitting in high school, history class, just like everybody else, reading about World War II and the rise of Hitler and, and fascism in Europe. And everybody in the classroom's like, oh, I would have shot him, I'm a badass, I'm gonna do this, that, and the other. And yet, most of those people aren't doing a damn thing. Or they ushered in the Trump administration themselves by voting for him. Right. And those few people who are out there protesting, who are organizing, who are going to dapple, who are protesting Sable here in Georgia, no less. Mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't stopping just in North Dakota where right. There's cows literally in the fields, and you might see one walk across the road. No, this is happening in Georgia, it's happening in Ohio, it's happening all over the country. Right. And then you have the spills on top of it, and people, in farmland, mind you, your food is getting contaminated. Mm -hmm. But we have the technology, we have solar, we have wind, we have geothermal, we have hydrogen, we have um, thorium, we have all this stuff, this technology, this potential to get rid of it, and we're choosing not to. And so as a veteran, who finds himself mired in the politics, right. you know, it, it's just really frustrating because it seems like nobody, even the politicians, even the candidates, even those in the charge, you can count them maybe on one hand how many people actually care and are actually in it for the right reasons, you know, at the federal level especially, but, right. you know, it seems like at the state and local level, it's just you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You know, being a party member doesn't really so much matter, it's who you are. Mm -hmm. But you see these rural communities and it's like you're either Republican or you're Democrat. And whatever community happens to be winning is that's it. Doesn't matter what else you do, what how great your ideas are, you're just hitting the mouth. And to me, seeing that divide escalate over the years and especially since the Obama administration, I mean, let's let's call it what it was. Obama got elected and the Republican Party said, no, we are not going to work with a black president. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was galling. Um, I grew up in rural Ohio. You want to know how much diversity was in Lancaster, Ohio? This much. Mm -hmm. I had not seen more than three black people in the same room until I went to basic training. That's just my life. Mm 
But I was raised that right is right and wrong is wrong. And, and my father was infantry. He works at the uh, prison um, in, in Ohio. Um, he's been around, you know, diverse cultures. Right. And he raised us, even though we weren't around it, he raised us to say, like, people, you need to judge people based on their merits, based on their right. character. Right. And I, I think part of that came from him. And part of that is also I've always had a good sense of right and wrong, even when I was a kid. You know how, how we do. We throw rocks at cars on the street. We yeah. steal, right? We get a little Pokemon <laughs> cars, right? It's like, oh, look at what I got. I got a Pikachu. What do you got? Oh, you got a Charizard. I'll trade you. Even then, I, I couldn't steal. I didn't feel right about throwing car um, rocks at cars. I'm really awful at lying, but you know, I'm good at telling. You're in the wrong business. <laughs> But no, we need people who are going to just shoot it straight. It's right. not like it is. And so for me to still see the civil rights movement through Black Lives Matter, to, to see the Martin Luther King Juniors of today still having to fight, and seeing the Black Panthers have to come back to defend protesters, and the equipment, the equi right, obviously, right, 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 you know gotcha. what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. There are a lot of parallels. There's a lot of parallels. Right and it's and, it, and then, same thing with the rise of fascism in our own country, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. The Brexit was a huge example as well of what happened in Britain. Why is this hatred still so strong when in our constitution and in, in, in the, fun, the foundation of our country, fundamentally, it, it was about equality, about bringing us all together, regardless of religion, regardless of background. Now, yes, obviously that wasn't the case in the very beginning, but the, the intent was there. And so throughout the years, throughout the centuries, we've gotten to this point where we are the melting pot society. We do have diverse cultures, and yet we still divide each other, mm -hmm. if not necessarily by race or culture, by economic status, by right. political beliefs, by ideology. And it's like we don't want to learn the lesson because it's a top-down thing. Mm -hmm. We are told by business and society, by political leaders, that we must be this or we must be that if we are to succeed. You must go to school, get your degree, become a lawyer, be, get rich, have the white picket mm -hmm. fence house to be successful. Whereas, I mean, I think I feel like I've been fairly successful in my life so far. <laughs> um, I sat at the table with Keith Ellison and Tom Perez and held my own. If not, and I might toot my horn horn if I can. can toot toot. Alright, so beep, beep. not only did I hold my own, I also surpassed them in many ways. Um, Jumu Green uh, alluded to the speaking truth to power, and you know, I feel like I, I've done that. I feel like I have talked to the people with the power and authority and told them to their face what they have done wrong. Right. And I think fundamentally it's necessary. We have power as people. Everyone in this hotel, in this city, in this He's country. He's my new little brother. <laughs> oh my god! No, seriously, I'm sorry to just stop you right there, but that's like basically what we've been saying this entire time. Like everyone always, like a lot of people have said it. I say it. Like if Bernie didn't do anything else right, the least thing that he, the best thing he did was bring us all together. Like right. we all have each other. But we people we are the power because you know everyone's like oh bernie's so great and this and the other and not to say that he's not great <laughs> but seriously well, the success of that campaign was grassroots yes, people driven was. power and movement whether it was folks riding down in ohio or people up in michigan or like people from california who had started organizing in may 2015 for a primary that wasn't for a whole year later right like there was i mean i've met so many wonderful people through this whole entire process 
you know, and, and that's what it is. And that's what people have to just continue to believe because no matter what happens this weekend, no matter what happens going down the line, we the people, to be cliche, yeah. we the people are really are what's going to drive what happens next. And, and to that point, um, whatever happens this weekend happens, but it is going to happen because we will drive it. Absolutely. Dem exit was not a fallacy. That, that happened. Yeah. That is a reality. Yeah. 14 yeah. million people gone like that. And we are still hemorrhaging. Every day there's more attrition to the Democratic Party. I balked at sign, even signing up to attend this weekend because I'm like, this is a trick to get me back on the mailing list. I know I'm going Probably. to. Probably. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Wrong. No, but 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 it's but it's like 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 just a little bit about me. Like I was, you know, I turned 18. My first election was Al Gore versus Bush. You know, on campus. Yes, we got to vote for the Democrat. We got to not let another Bush in, and that was such a huge letdown. Um, and in 2004, you know, we got to vote for the Democrat, uh, 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 John Kerry, <coughs> let Bush get in again. And by this time, I had kids young, so I had my, my daughter sitting on the floor coloring and well, as we waited in the line in Ohio, and my son on my hip, and we waited. We didn't wait in line. Like, that was, that was one of those elections where it was those really, really long lines Oops. in Ohio. We did not wait quite as long as my, like, other friends. We, made, we still probably waited, like, two, three hours. But with small kids, it was ordeal. Oh, yeah. and, you know, we're all in line. But that, that 2004 election is when we started seeing those marriage between men and women ballot initiatives or rolling back, you know, civil um, uh, uh, union protections and things like that. So, like, it was a wild time. So now here we go. Fast forward. 2010, we moved to West Virginia. So I had done my own step in rural <laughs> America. Probably. So we're in West Virginia. And West Virginia drove me to become independent because... Because when we talk, when you were talking earlier about like we have, and when you talk about like rural or small town areas where you have your Democrats and you have your Republicans, and whichever side rules out, and with West Virginia and probably other parts of Appalachia, this is true too. You have you have two parties, but they're both controlled in varying degrees by corporations. In in West Virginia, it's oil, gas, and coal. Oh yeah. And you know whichever party wins, it doesn't really matter because oil, gas, and coal will always trump everything else. And just seeing the way the Democrats, the good guys, operate, I'm like, y'all are only better than the Republicans because the Republicans here are bad, crazy. <laughs> like, so, so, I said, this is, but as an independent, I've still, you know, voted them for the most part, still will support good kids. I mean, I'm about supporting good people who do good work. So we're, it's interesting to see how this entire election cycle has happened. And now as we're looking at the Democratic, you know, the chair race um, versus, you know, somebody being handpicked and selected and you know <laughs> it's like it's like to do that would have definitely been you know even though we see what's kind of happening like you know we've seen early favorites we've seen the AP already announce that Perez was going to be the next chair I mean knowing that all the odds and stuff like my so I'll my favorite and I'm just I'm just getting so like worked up I'm like my favorite quote is never tell me the odds I'm gonna start I'm gonna start with <laughs> so like never tell me the odds and I would my, my question was going to be to you like even with all the odds, you know, the, the favorites and stuff, how do you feel going into this week and being here? So, I mean, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't in it to win it. And part of it is also proving a point. Mm -hmm. So many people think they can't achieve greatness because they aren't X, Y, and Z, or right. they don't have this last name. Absolutely. And that's absolutely not true. 27-year-old airman, literally, that is my entire, I okay, fine, I did foreign exchange with Rotary. Okay, so that, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Right? I haven't done anything spectacular with my life other than serve my country, 
Which I mean, I'm not, I'm not downplaying. I'm, I'm just saying. No, 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 gotcha, it, gotcha, it, gotcha. You know, because right. most of these people, they, they have, uh, they're groomed for right. it. You know, they're going to the boarding school and prep school and right. become lawyers and blah blah blah. Right. I did literally none of that. I am uncouth. I did not have a suit until I was 25, for God's sakes. All right. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Dore made the comment, and I think was even wearing this shirt. He's like, look at that shirt. He's not wearing a suit. He probably got that from Kmart. It was Kohl's, by the way. <laughs> and it was a Christmas present. Thank you, Mom. Um, but but my point is, if I can do this, mm-hmm. some literal guy who did nothing with politics his entire life can literally wake up and say, okay, screw this. This is clearly a problem. Something needs to happen, and this needs to be addressed. Right. And I got my 20 signatures. I am going to be on the CNN debates, um, assuming they don't change the rules in some way. Um, I am going to be voted on on Saturday. Like, mm-hmm. my name is going to be a historical fact that I, Sam Ronan was there. Mm-hmm. If I can do that, so can you, so can you, so can everybody that's watching. The point is, politics is not out of our grasp. And, Absolutely. And when we started to think that, and, and worse, believe it, mm-hmm. that's when we lost. Mm-hmm. And we could say it happened 30 years ago when money got their uh, hooks into government, but that's also not true. The problem is we kept electing people who were too weak, too cowardly, and didn't have the spine to stand up to corporate interest. You give me, <laughs> you give me two hundred thousand dollars from Big Farm, I'm going to turn right around and shove it down your throat. I'm sorry, that's what I'm going to do. It's probably also why I'm not going to win, right? But, like you said, I'm the dark horse candidate. If CNN doesn't put me on the debate somehow, yeah, they're, they're, they've obviously messed up, and I'm going to call well, them out on it. Well, you know, but they're we also, can call in a couple of folks to come well, see what I have. <laughs> I'm saying, but they yeah. would also be right not to put me on there, because they have to know that I'm a proverbial loose cannon for them, mm-hmm. which is sad enough as it is to say. It's because I'm telling the truth. Right. I'm not even being belligerent about it. I might be abrasive at times. You know, I might... Drop the hammer, take the gloves off. Harsh. <laughs> I, I'm harsh at times, but I haven't said anything untowards. I haven't devolved right. into vulgarity or slur words. Right. I haven't thrown anybody under the bus. I do. I, no. <laughs> well, Stacey, that's why you're not ready. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you're the gal. And I'm, <laughs> I'm the gal that's back there. Yeah, I'm sorry. But no, but seriously, but it's that passion. It's that just, I mean, just going back to Bernie again for a second. But that's that's why, you know, this old gruff man from Brooklyn resonated so much right. with folks, right? People want authenticity. They want yeah. to be heard. And the thing is that, that gets me is like, you take the Baltimore debate, and that was the, probably the harshest I was when I when I held up the list. But the one that people forget to realize is that there was another question where I flipped the page, and I had people tell me what they want in the DNC. Right. I asked people, I asked people like you guys, like you guys, right. what you want, and nobody else has done that. Keith hasn't done it. Tom hasn't done it. Pete hasn't done it. Jamu hasn't done that. Nobody's done it. I'm the only one that has actually said, "Hey." Democrat voter, what is it I can do for you? If you had the power of DNC chairman for a day, what is the one thing you'd want to do? And the overwhelming majority is invest in the local communities, get better candidates, i.e. regular people like right. actual human beings, um, uh, and invest in our, in our young people, and improve the processes, transparency, and then get rid of all of the corrupting factors such as superdelegates the closed primaries and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying anything new that people haven't heard. It's just on that stage, right. in that form, on that spotlight, people are like, oh my goodness, you can't say that. 
these are the people that are going to vote for you. I don't give a damn. I am running for the leadership position of the DNC. I am not running for the management and administration position of the DNC. That's what all my other peers, uh, candidates, are doing. That's what they are running for. Keith, Tom, Jamu, uh, Sally, uh, Jamie, Pete and Pete. They're all running to be the next manager of the DNC. I'm trying to lead it. Mm. And, I, and, I, and that might sound arrogant, but in truth, people are looking for something to fight for and to believe in again. Right. And that's not going to happen with a manager and an administrator. I don't care how long your resume is or how thick your 11-page plan is. If at the end of the day you can't bring people on board, they can't trust you, they can't respect you, it's irrelevant. So people want to throw, oh, you're only 27 years old, you've never been in politics. You've never won, you've never fundraised, you've never done this, that, and the other. You're right, I haven't. And yet I'm the only one that actually gets it. So what what does that tell you? Clearly I'm the only one to or fit to lead the party, which is in fact sad. This 27-year-old shouldn't be the best chance for the party to exist. Mm. And I'm and I'm saying that honestly, like I shouldn't be that person. Keith right. Ellison should be, or Tom Perrette. Those two are the front runners. So why aren't they stepping up? All Keith Ellison has to do is say, "You're right, Mr. Ronan. You're you're absolutely right. Um, th- we're going to do this, this, and that." And I wouldn't have a chance in hell. You know, I'd ask for a, a spot at the table, of course. Like, hey, bring bring me in, please. But <laughs> until he does that, until any of these candidates do that, and I love Keith. I love Tom, by the way. All these people are great people. Um, like people, but as far as leaders go, they, they fall just a little short, and I'm trying to nudge them, and I have been, um, as, as was evinced by the Baltimore uh, forum where I was hashing But just for a few people who might not have been able to see the Baltimore forum, just, just give me a little bit, a snippet of what you're talking about. <laughs> so the Baltimore forum, uh, so it was actually one of the better forums, I think, mm-hmm. because everybody did get an equal amount of mic time. Okay, Which, that's good. Because in, in Houston, they didn't. I, I got two questions while other people got six and five questions, and then mm-hmm. a couple other people got two or three. So, But anyway, the Baltimore Forum, um, everybody got asked the same question, everybody got to answer the same question. And the okay. one question was, what has the DNC done wrong? And everybody answered their question, and Jamu Green uh, answered her question, and she talked about, we need to start speaking truth to power. Mm-hmm. And I answered right after I was sitting next to her, and I said, "You want to talk about speaking truth to power? I've been doing it since Houston." And it just went from there. You want to talk about truth to power? I've been talking about the super delegates. I talked about not uh, accepting corporate and lobbyist money, um, open primaries. You know, get r- getting rid of uh, the exclusivity clause, mm-hmm. bringing people into the the process, really right. truly engaging people, not. Oh, you're a woman, or oh, you're a millennial, oh, you're black, or you're Hispanic. You need a committee. Because fundamentally, and, and that's what everybody keeps saying, is we need a caucus, we need a committee, we need a blah, blah, blah. Fundamentally, that means you're not relevant enough to actually be talking to me one-on-one or as part of the team. So I'm going to let you have your own uh, think tank session, and then you give me whatever you come up with, and I'll decide if it's relevant. That's what I think a caucus is or a committee. And maybe I'm wrong because I'm the white guy and I, and I get all the benefits, but I, just me, logically, I feel that that is a complete insult to minority groups. And, and especially, okay, here's the funny thing, right? Minority means less than the majority. Women comprise 51% of the population of Earth. How are y'all a minority? 
I'm not just saying that because I got two ladies in the house. Okay. <laughs> I just want to be clear. I just don't get it. I mean, maybe I am too naive for this job. Maybe I'm not politician enough, but at the same time, maybe that's exactly why I'm fit for it. Because I, I look at people at face value. You're either a good person or you're not. I don't give right. a damn what the color of your skin is or your background. I think that's an interesting point when you talk about the caucuses because it does seem like I mean just look at like the, we have the congressional black and congressional Hispanic caucuses right. in the, 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 the Congress and um, they don't necessarily I mean we just saw what happened with members of the congressional Hispanic caucus were refused you know access admittance to a meeting with with ICE right like like that <laughs> that is a very that is a very interesting I mean in theory you know having a specific designated space to flush out issues and then present it is a good thing if if it's if it's dealt with in the overall framework right. properly and those people do then have access like you're saying right. in the broader conversation I mean we had what what the CBC basically had to beg Trump for a meeting which they're finally going to get but I mean, it doesn't. The way it actually functions currently is problematic, and it definitely would need to be, you know, uh, uh, I think looked at again. I mean, there's a lot of pressure now and, to do just that. But and, yeah, that's and, a good point. And and again, it's again for me, it's not so much we when people are talking about empowerment, mm -hmm. people don't realize that it, you don't have to empower anybody. You just need to stop burdening people. Mm. So I, I said this phrase in, in the Women's uh, National um, Democratic Club. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, the question was, what would I do differently as chair? And I said, well, quite frankly, I would just open the doors for women because y'all can do what you do best unrestrained, which is win, right? And that was met with applause. And then I said, you know, and on occasion, I, <laughs> I might just have to rein y'all back in because us men folk can't keep up, <laughs> right? <laughs> So the rest of us can catch up. That, that is the phrase I said, yet people want to cherry pick because I actually said the three words, rain, rain women, women in. Rain women in. They want to they cherry pick that. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's politics. You do you. But what I have been saying this entire time is minorities and women and all these different culture groups, they are suppressed. Mm -hmm. They don't need empowerment. They literally just need the thumb off mm -hmm. the scale the, to, to not be under heel. You do that, us you know, dominant group, what have you, Christians for religion, white males for politics, right. uh, we won't be able to keep up, are you kidding me? Let's put it into perspective, we just saw um, Hidden Figures, right, that movie just mm -hmm. came out, uh, three black women in the 60s put a man on the moon, in the 60s, three black women. Now imagine if they didn't have those hurdles and those, come on. Right. This is this is a ridiculous conversation to have. It, you don't have to empower anybody. You don't have to give everybody this extra seat. Stop denying them. Just just literally stop putting them under your thumb, and they will flourish. Right. Young people will flourish. <laughs> <laughs> Women will flourish. Right. Okay. Minorities will flourish if they simply have the opportunities to do so. And it galls me. One of the things why I want to run for Congress is so I could specifically go to one of the inner cities in my district, go to the place where I would just as likely get shot as I would to um, be able to have a conversation and be like, we seriously screwed up. Y'all are living a lifestyle that should not exist in America. You should not have to fight 
to survive, literally fight and kill to survive in America. Because why do gangs exist? Fundamentally, why do gangs exist? Because society has failed. There is no support structure. So what do people do? We, we combine in a group. And we, and we work together and we fend for each other. That's why gangs are so loyal to each other, to each other. But they will war just like we did when we were nomadic and we were clans thousands of years ago before we became, you know, America and Europe and all this, that, and the other. So to me, it's like we have a subculture, a sub-society in our, in our nation, but we also have the largest GDP in the world. No, nobody even comes close. Right. And we have all this wealth and decadence. And we still have this level of poverty. We still have this level of, of inability to grow and to improve. And that disgusts me. That fundamentally makes me angry. I honestly want to round up every gang member in this country and be like, hey, vote. Show up. Make them fear you. Make them respect you. Rural America, you haven't been respected for 30 years. You've just been told to do this because God and country. They think you're idiots. They think you're hillbillies. Step up and show them otherwise. Right. And, you know, all the ladies in the room, put on your skirts, put on your heels, and then walk a mud hole up and down your boss's uh, rear. Because, quite frankly, enough is enough. You know? Why does this 27-year-old veteran have to get up on the stage and say this? Why do we have to have this conversation? What? Why isn't this conversation being had and solved already? Mm -hmm. It's 2017. This should have been fixed in the 60s. The 70s, I guess, give it some time to, you know, take effect. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are. And we're still talking about it. I can't, I cannot believe it. That's why I'm running for DNC chair. That's why I left the military. Because if I had been sent overseas, fought and died for my country, my death would have been meaningless. And, or... My death would have only been important for the brothers and sisters next to me. Right. My comrades in arms. And that's what we fight for in the military. We don't fight for freedom. We don't fight for our country. We don't fight for America. We fight for the man and woman next to us because we know we can't stop these ignorant wars against terror. You want to win the war on terrorism? Open schools in Syria. Open schools in Iraq and Afghanistan. Help the Iraqis defend themselves. D don't bomb their schools and hospitals. I mean, <laughs> don't bomb their schools, hospitals, weddings, funerals. I mean, there's a whole long list of things, right? And 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 that's why, like, when I, when I and or if I get to go on this debate on CNN, I'm not holding back. The so kind we're, of we're, gonna, we're just gonna claim it, right? They're right. not changing the rules on you. You will be on the stage I'm gonna be tomorrow. On the stage. It's gonna happen. And that's how this conversation is gonna go. I, I I think I have been pretty. Uh, Candid mm -hmm. today, and I've been very polite, but I have also been unrelenting. This mm -hmm. is this has got to stop. People want to want to divide and conquer and separate and go on this extreme or this extreme and and not admit fault, but then slightly borrow it and just nudge a little bit so that they might look. No, mm -hmm. enough is enough. I I said that in literally every single forum, and it's disgusting that I had to. Enough is enough. Times three, times four, actually. I'm, I don't know, that's why I'm here, that's why I, I get up in the morning, drive <laughs> four and five, hours, seven and a half hours, hours to Georgia <laughs> to meet the two most badass young women I have ever seen. Oh my seen. god, and I'm not young, <laughs> and I'm not here everyone, I'm well, a hollow ground. And it, it, it hasn't even started, I mean, like I, like I told you when we very first started, like you have become, um, 
there, there was Trevor Hill, who was the young man who asked uh, Nancy Pelosi the question at her town hall. I'm um, sweet back. I got to interview him right after that. And I was like, dude, like, because like, everyone, that, that was so exciting. And, we're, and he said something similar to you. He's like, he's like, the fact that I got up there and asked her the question, he went rogue. He asked a question he wasn't supposed to ask. Oh, yeah. Right? But, but uh, he was like, but, but the fact that that question had to be asked and that I was the one to ask it, like, that shouldn't have been the case. And then the fact that she wasn't even prepared to even engage mm-hmm. on how do you really build with younger people. Because that's the common thread, right? Right. Like, like, build with young people. Young people. And, and I saw there's a tweet from Joanne Reed, and she said something about, you know, the, the, the increase in the Hispanic vote has not been what people were predicting because young people have said they didn't really feel the buy-in into voting. And then she had some other tweet, some other statement about something else. And she was like, now do you see the reason you're supposed to vote? Uh-huh. But, like, the fact that the world is screwed up, that <laughs> like, like, you, like you said, the fact that people before us have either through inaction or direct <coughs> action enabled certain things into being, that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to then go break my neck mm-hmm. to fix it for you. Like, like right. you need to give me something... Because otherwise, what I'm really going to do is I'm just going to come in and take over. <laughs> and and see that that's I'm just going to come in and take your take see, your step over. Like now now I'm going to be having to quote you because that's exactly what I was going to say. I think I think I alluded to it in the in the mm-hmm. forums, but I didn't come outright and say it because, well, I mean I was being pretty frisky anyway on stage. <laughs> I, I didn't feel like I had to take it to that next level, but clearly. They don't get it. These 447 DNC members, which will decide the fate of a country. Right. And, and I do want to be very clear to, to, to everyone. 447 members will decide the fate of this country because whomsoever leads the DNC decides the fate of the duopoly. Yep. If the party falls, it creates a void in, in power. That void can only be filled by the Republican Party. Now, I don't know about you. But I do not want an unbridled Trump administration. And not this Republican. <laughs> exactly. The Republican Party has already always been, already has been, you know, skewed a certain way. And, but, that, and then give it that much more right, legroom? Right, but this no. Republican Party, ugh. And I'm not even going to start going on about how I miss the days of Reagan or I'm not going there. I'm not going to spout no BS like that at you. But I absolutely agree with you about in terms of the void. And, we, and it's not like, you know... I appreciate and love everyone that's third party as well, and draft burning everyone else. But there isn't an immediate replacement, right? right. So it has to be a both and approach, at least for the time being. And it's not that there isn't the numbers to do a third option or whatever, because the numbers are there. I mean, fifty percent of the electorate is no longer a Republican or a Democrat. So if we want to do something and not do either party, we can. The problem is ballot access. It significantly is a problem. You either have to have thousands of signatures or $10,000 to get on a ballot, at least in the state of Ohio. Right. Or, no, 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 I'm sorry, at least in the state of Florida. That's ridiculous. Do you have ten grand lying around? Do no. you? I sure as hell don't. So if I were to run as an independent, okay, first of all, thousands of signatures. That piece of paper is legal. And then you have to make sure that you have that buffer amount because you don't right? like what happened here with the, with the Green Party here and in Nevada you know, X amount of signatures got thrown out and then they were under the threshold. And so you why, don't want that to happen. And why was that? Oh, yeah. Because the uh, the um, Board of Elections mm-hmm. has Republicans and Democrats on it. Mm-hmm. One or the other. Or both, rather. And, of course, they don't want any threat to their power. 
the issue isn't, see, this is the other thing that gets me, right? If, if we're still arguing over demographics, we're still arguing over the principle of power. What makes more sense? Taking something that somebody has to the very last drop or continuously taking something as it becomes greater and greater. What has greater power? I'm just saying, why are we keeping people at bay? Why aren't we empowering them? Why aren't we having universal education and healthcare? Why aren't we improving the tax system so it's less burdensome on us? I'm not saying steal from the rich, give to the poor. I'm literally talking about easing the burden. We're a consumer-based society. If I can't spend money on shoes, laptops, cameras, frickin' Starbucks frappuccinos, then our economy is going to tank, period. Right. Multiply that by the millions of our countrymen. So why is our economy such that, what, 90% of our paycheck goes to bills, taxes, and rent, um, and, and stuff like that, food, gas, to the necessities we have maybe percentages left over, single-digit percentages for fun, for savings, or for debt? And that's the for, the fortunate few of us who actually can save. We're talking at least half the country, if I'm not mistaken. 50% of us live paycheck to paycheck. 100% right. of, uh, of our paycheck is bills. It's literally right. to live. And when I was in New York City last Thursday... <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a blur, isn't it? Yeah, I was in New York City. Anyway... Um, they, uh, one of the, the women that answered the question, or asked me the question, was how can I, uh, or, or uh, similar families, you know, a mother, a father, and some kids, working two to three jobs each, mind you, right. afford to live off of $130,000 a year and still barely be able to make bills and rent? That's an astronomical amount of money, for me anyway, I mean in Ohio. But apparently, right in New York, it's barely cutting it. It's um, it's like so. So I, I just, just, just when I was coming out of law school, I was interviewing and trying to figure out where I was gonna go. And I was gonna go to New York State. I'm gonna work in New York City. We're originally from New York. I'm gonna go work for New York State Department of Law. <coughs> As a lawyer with two kids, the New York State Department of Law. I think that might have been started off like around 55, 60, something like that. So that's actually not a lot in New York. But I would be eligible for a, a housing assistance as a lawyer working for the city. That's ridiculous. Like, like that was insane. But then, then the economy crashed and they took back my... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was a whole other conversation. Anyway, but, but I think you hit on a... Not I think you hit on an excellent point how we have families, we have people, we have, you know, young folks who are starting out or who have been working. It's a very different economy. Not very. just, you know, since the crash happened, but even before then, we've seen, you know, the... the, the we're not we're not keeping pace with inflation. I mean, it's just getting more and more expensive to live, and we're not making more because of that divide. And Absolutely. it's this whole top-down thing. You want to talk yeah. about trickle-down economics? We've never actually applied trickle-down economics in our country. We say we are, but we're not, because mm -hmm. trickle-down economics theoretically is this: uh, you work for company A, company A makes a profit and shares some percentage of that profit with you, and you go spend more money on top of your paycheck. That's trickle-down economics. That, that is exactly the way it should work. And that is a prosperous country. And that's what we had in the 50s and the 60s, mm -hmm. post-World War II. And that's why we have the middle class. That, that is exactly why we have the middle class. But no, now it, it, become, it became this, this economic divide. And I don't need to have 30 years of political experience, be the Secretary of Labor to understand that crap. That's simple mathematics. That's physics for crying out loud. 
You put something that's 300 pounds on a freaking toothpick and you expect that to hold, you're out of your mind. And that's where we are right now. And so to tie it, I guess, all back to the chairmanship, all of this that we've been talking about relates. Because Absolutely. as the party, we decide who gets elected, what our platform will be, and how we hold our, our primaries in our different elections. But it's also this leadership uh, job. It's, it's inspiring people to get involved again because look at the Libertarian Party. They exist, they're national, but nobody votes for them. So why? Because they don't feel the need to. They get made fun of. They're the, well, I won't be rude. But the Libertarian Party gets made fun of just as much as the Green Party gets made fun of. Sure, the Republicans and the Democrats are the devil, but that's what the devil we know. But as we're not inspired to vote for them. Yeah. So absolutely. as the NC chair, not only do you have to weigh platform issues, not only do you have to weigh fundraising issues and you know how are we going to hold the presidential election and primaries across the country, uh, and how are we going to actually um, empower our candidates to succeed? That's that's just regular management. Anybody in this room or watching could figure that out, right? But it's getting people involved in truly embracing these concepts and these ideas, that respect yeah. and that trust that is going to matter. And that comes with truly empowering people. It, it's talking about things that matter, like the bad economy, like equality, like the discrimination that's happening in our country. The, the, the Muslim xenophobia that is happening in our country didn't happen overnight. It started with the Bush administration and ended, well, I shouldn't say ended because it's still ongoing, but exacerbated during the Trump administration to where there was a legitimate Muslim ban signed as an executive order. It's unconstitutional, it's right. been seen as such, but it still happened and people supported it. There's a whole bigger picture going on than simply, oh, we gotta you know, get rid of superdelegates. No, there's a big picture and we need to get people back on board, we need to get our heads on straight, and we need to start getting people more involved so that this crap, this true just crap storm doesn't get worse. <laughs> and, and it will, that's the thing. Like, mm -hmm. Again, I have mad love for Keith and Tom. I think they are great people, they are professionals, they've had a long career. But if they don't step up the way we've just been talking for the past however long we've been talking, if they don't step up and I truly mean step up and lead, not just manage. We're, we're going to be hurt. And like you said, we're going to take over. And like as not, I'm a part of this process now. And, you know, as much as I would like to just go back to the military or work or whatever, mm -hmm. I'm kind of in this game now, for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And you best believe I will fight whatever fight I'm asked to fight. I, Dapple asked me to come out. I did. I went out there on my own. Um, those protests, I'm willing to go on there and I'm willing to stand in between the officers and the protesters because that ain't right. So either the Democratic Party and the Republican Party by association can get on board with the American people and have a say still because it's fair. Right. I mean, again, it, we do have to have all sides. Right. And they have had the experience, obviously. They have the connections. But they need to give us a seat at the table or we're going to take the table and we're going to move it over here and they can feel what it's like. And that's the bottom line. We've seen it. I don't want a revolution. I don't want civil war in our country. But if it happens, believe me, it's going to happen. 
and ain't nobody going to be happy about it. Or at least nobody currently in charge. Well, I'm going to put a pin in it right there because I don't know if there's anything else I can say after that. Pow. Yeah, you know, like, this is like, it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, ain't nobody going to be happy. Thank you so much, Sam. No, All absolutely. Right? I mean, I greatly appreciate it. This is awesome. Um, yay. Hug it out. Hug Thank it you. out. Yay. <laughs>